Welcome. It's so good to see you. I'm glad that you're here. I'm Erin. If I haven't met you, I am on staff at USC. If you hear a little drawl, it's because I have uh, rural Oklahoma roots, and sometimes it comes out every now and then. So, um, But it was a long time ago. In the summer of 2006, I was leading a summer team to Bangkok, Thailand, and there was eight of us on the team, a married couple, and then myself and another guy were the team leaders, and he had two male students in his room, and I had two female students in my room. And you know, Bangkok is just like humid beyond. Have you guys, anybody been to Bangkok? It is so hot, right? I went to the summertime. And so it, it's just, it's a, it's a great place, but it's really hot. And so we were out and about, but oftentimes we're like, we just need to cool off. So we go back to our room and, and use the AC. You had to put in your hotel room key to get AC because they don't like to waste energy like we do in America. We just like crank that puppy and leave. They don't do that there. So we come back to our room and there was a knock on the door and it was Andrew, the other team leader. And he was like, Hey, could I come and bleach your bathroom? Like, no, you can't. Like, no, that's, I mean, there were people who, who came periodically and cleaned. We were living on campus, but I was like, it's, it's not necessary. No, he was like, no, I really, I really want to. I feel like this would be, you know, something that I want to help with. And I was like, ah, okay, fine. So I remember just being in the room with these two other girls. And then what do you do while someone's like cleaning your space? And he's like, oh, but I remember seeing him on his hands and knees, you know, scrubbing the bathroom floor with bleach, you know, and so obviously not good on your, your skin and thinking, wow, what a picture of Jesus. Like that's what Jesus did is he came, he served, he met needs in, in really practical ways, um, but in very humbling ways, ways that were far beneath him. And I think all of us could think of a way that people have served us. Like, you know, living in LA, there's all the time in our group chat, like, can anyone take me to LAX? Can anyone pick me up from LAX? Or like swipes into the dining hall. Okay, so maybe you didn't get free Dulce, but you know, I always love it when freshmen or sophomores have no plans. They're like, hey, do you want to have lunch? And I'll swipe you in. I'm like, yes. I don't have to cook. I don't have to clean. I can just show. I don't carry my lunchbox everywhere. This is a great day. Or maybe, you know, you live in an apartment and somebody washes your dishes. Like you did all this meal prep and then you're like, is there anything off the top of your head that you can think of in a way that recently someone has served you? Not rhetorical. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Getting up earlier to make a breakfast. Yeah. I'm sure it was delicious too. Yes, Clarissa. Harmony has been like picking me up from my house. Wow. Carpooling is... LA traffic is not fun, but with a buddy, it doesn't seem nearly as tedious. That's great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A lot of behind the scenes work that you don't really know about. Luna, you were going to say something? Wow. Yeah. And I think it's good for us to pause and to think about how rich our lives are because the people involved in our life and people do serve and meet needs every day, but sometimes we're just not even aware of it. So I think we can all agree that we're here this week. You guys chose to pivot, you know, to not be at Hume, to come down here to rainy Southern California because you want to grow, right? Like you're here, you're making effort. A lot of people, we have a freshman right now that's in Greece. I was like, oh, spring breaking in Greece sounds amazing. You know, but we're here for a reason because we want to grow and become more like Jesus. And it's not an easy endeavor. I don't know about you, but I find it very challenging to grow in the likeness of Jesus each and every day. I'll be honest, loving people is very hard for me. It does not come naturally to me, but what I've learned through the years is it's something I can learn. It's something that I can grow in and practice. And I don't know that it will ever be all natural in my life. I think it'll be, I'll fight the flesh every day for the rest of my life, but that it's something that I can grow. And it's an exercise, it's a muscle that I can exercise and that muscle just gets stronger. So in John 13, 34 and 35, does anyone have that memorized? Yes. 34 and 35, yeah. Yes. Thank you, Erica. Well done. Yeah, by this, other people are going to know that you're, you're my followers by how you love each other. And so I think one of the ways that we love people, right, is serving people. One of the ways Jesus did from the very inception of the incarnation 
is serving. He came to serve. And serving is a big part of loving people. It's not enough just to make it an activity like, oh, yeah, like once a month I go and serve at the food pantry, you know, downtown L.A. or whatever. It's not like the call of Jesus, the example of Jesus is not like it's scheduled in on it for a few hours when it's convenient for us. But what we see in the life of Jesus is that he came to serve. It was the very nature of who he was, a servant. And so I thought, you know, it's interesting you think about yourself. Well, maybe the reason people may not think of me as very loving at times is because I'm not serving, because serving is such an integral part of loving people. And of course, like, I'll serve when asked, like, hey, can you empty this trash can or can you reset up this room afterwards? Oh, yeah, 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 of course. But do I think of it? Do I notice and observe and take initiative and meet needs when no one else is around, when no one's going to be like, that was so good of you, Aaron. Um, and Jesus' teaching and what he modeled for us is that serving should be a part of the very fabric of our lives. It's kind of the way that we go about living our life each and every day is looking to meet needs, thinking of it as more of a holistic way of living rather than a scheduled, a thing that we just put into our Google calendar on a certain day of the week. So I'd like us to look um, at the model of Jesus, his example. I want us also to look at God the Father and some things that he said about serving. Have you guys ever seen videos? I really love like slapstick humor. I love like America's Funniest Home Videos. I just, it's terrible when you just watch people get hurt. I'm like, I hope they're not that hurt. But it's just like so funny. Or have you ever watched videos where people like dress in disguise and pretend to be someone else? And then when they like, were like, ta-da, it was actually me the whole time. Like, and like great hilarity ensues. And you think, you know, those are really funny things to watch. But when Jesus came in the form of a servant, he wasn't disguising God. He was revealing the heart of God as a servant. And so that's what we see in his life. And so I want to spend some time looking at God as a servant and then look at a specific example from Jesus' life. But just to get us all on the same page, bottom shelf, definition of when I say serving, this is what I mean. So definition is to be useful or of service to help. To be useful or of service to help. So one of the most famous passages on this is Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. It says, have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who already existed in the form of God. Did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. For this reason, also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Have you guys ever heard of um, an author or pastor named John Ortberg? He lives in the San Francisco area. Anyway, I really love his writings. I was reading on this, and I thought he just did such a great job explaining this. He was saying that a correct way of reading this passage is to take that little verb as the cause of Christ's action. So in other words, saying it like this, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ, who precisely because he was in very nature God, did not consider equality with God to be grounds for grasping, but poured himself out, taking the very nature of a servant. Do you think about that? Like that God is the infinite servant, that he is the most humble being in the universe. It's kind of mind-blowing, right? We don't think about God like that. And that Jesus came as a servant in spite of the fact that he was God. He came precisely be not because he did not totally rephrase that because that's heretical. Jesus did not come as a servant in spite of the fact that he is God, but he came precisely because of the fact that he is God. So you see in Luke 12, 37, blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. So you see that God's heart, it's always to serve, always. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but when you guys are in college, like sometimes you think, I struggle to serve because that's beneath me. Like that's for someone who, who doesn't have the education that I have. Or, you know, I've worked at Challenge 20 years. I've already done my time. I don't want to be doing the grunt work. I did that for 15. We've got these new younger staff. It's your turn, right? 
So we think it's, it's beneath me. I've already done it. But we don't see that in Jesus' life, do we? I think it's important for us to think and remember how far beneath humanity, you know, we are from who God is and who Jesus is, right? He didn't, Jesus didn't consider us too low, too beneath him to serve us. So who are we to be like, oh, no, that is, that is beneath me or that person is beneath me. That's, that's not at all how we should operate as followers of Jesus. And really, you think about it, one of the primary reasons that Jesus calls us to servanthood is not because other people have needs, because of what happens to us when we serve. That there are things that happen in our heart when we serve that kind of can't be exterminated in, in the other way. And the reason we help others is not because, you know, I am just so strong and so able and they are so weak and they are so needy. Is because if we don't, we are going to end up consumed by ourselves. Because I don't know about you, but I wake up in the morning and I woke up this morning with, okay, my agenda. This is what has to be done. I'm consumed with myself from the moment that I wake up to the moment I lay my head on the pillow at night. But that's not how Jesus lived. And his invitation to us is to follow his example. We see that in Matthew 20, 28. It says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we want to look at his example, but then we think, but it's just so foreign to us to live this way and to, to think this way. And so I want to look at one very famous example from Jesus's life and unpack that for a little bit. Do any of you guys have your Bibles? Would it be more helpful for you to stay awake if one of you read it and I didn't read it? We're looking at John 13. So just a passage, Erica quoted John 13, 34 and 35. This is, we're going to read John 13 verses one through five. If somebody wants to read that, thank you. And then if someone else will read John 13, verses 12 through 15. Thank you, Aaron. Go for it. 13, 1 through 5? Yes, please. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of uh, Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Thank you. And then verses 12 through 15. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Thank you. That was helpful. Okay, so we're just going to unpack a little bit. What can we learn from the life of Jesus regarding service? Okay, number one, circumstances are not the deciding factor. Repeat after me circumstances are not the deciding factor. Okay, look at what was going on in Jesus' life. He knew what he was about to die, that it was going to be an excruciating, painful death. Janae and I actually got to go to Israel this summer, and we got to go to a museum, and they showed an ankle bone that had a nail in it. And you think, did you get to see that, Janae? It was just this, it was off in the corner, just stumbled upon it, and I took a picture of it. I was like, you know, we need to rem remember that that was a horrifically painful way to die and then being separated from the father. But yeah, he knew he was about to die. He was with these men, his like closest friends in the world. These are men that he loved deeply, right? And they knew he loved them and he wanted to spend time with them. And what did he choose to do? What's your in verse two? It was during supper, right? And then verse four, he arose from supper. They were eating, right? He was eating. They were eating. They were in the middle of something. It wasn't like they were waiting for the meal to be served, or they were just thinking, I wonder what Jesus has for us tonight. I guess we'll just sit here in silence and wait. And then the idea came, no, it was like they were in the middle of something. And in our lives, I don't know about you, but opportunities to serve don't usually come when there's nothing going on, when I have absolutely nothing to do. And serving oftentimes in my life is like, well, this is interrupting me. I have, I have a plan for today, and this is an interruption to my day. But Thinking about it in this way, like perhaps that interruption is precisely what God has for me on that Tuesday morning, right? Like the God who has ordained my days knows this is going to be a great help to me and to other people to help me live 
a less consumed life with myself. So I would encourage you, did any of you guys go to Jenna's roundtable yesterday on time management? I bet she talked about this, like building margin into your schedule. So you just have some flexibility. Okay, I can shift this over here. I can do this. I can be available here. Or, you know, I've even had students call in the middle of the night and I'm like, okay, get there. I can come, I can help you with this. And then thankfully not have something that early in the morning I can recover from those hours of sleep. So if you'll leave some margin in your schedule, it will be such a blessing to you and to other people. So number one, circumstances are not the deciding factor. Okay, number two, the worthiness of people isn't the deciding factor. Okay, repeat after me. The worthiness of people isn't the deciding factor. So okay, look at these men. Let's take a closer look at these men whose feet were being washed by Jesus Christ. You know, Judas was hours away from betraying him. Peter was hours away from denying him. And the rest were hours away from running in fear in this hour of great need, right? So we've got a betrayer, a denier, and I would say some people would refer to them as cowards. And those are the very people that Jesus chose the last night on earth to meet their needs, to serve them. And so he instructs us to go into the world and to meet needs of people who are going to hurt us and who may betray us and who are going to mistreat us. And he says, leverage the freedom that we have in him to meet needs. And people that we may think, I don't know about you, but I struggle to serve people who annoy me, who irritate me, who say things about me that have gotten back to me that I'm like, that wasn't true. And I can't defend myself. I'm like, you don't have need for me. I don't have need for you. You know, it's like that kind of thing. No, but that's not, Jesus didn't have that prerequisite. He knew what was going to happen. Those men hadn't done those acts yet, but he was fully aware of what was about to happen. So I just find it unbelievable that Jesus, who was perfect, would choose to bend low and to meet needs of people that he knew weren't going to stand beside him when he needed them. And so what an example. I find that just very unbelievable in some ways and very challenging as an example to follow in my own life. Jesus didn't allow how they were about to treat him to dictate how he would treat them. Okay, so we've looked at the circumstances aren't the deciding factor. We looked at the worthiness. People isn't the deciding factor. Okay, the third thing is my position isn't the deciding factor. My position is not the deciding factor. So we got to remember who Jesus was. Like she read in verses three to four, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God, he was going back to God, rose from supper, laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. You know, Jesus knew exactly who he was. He wasn't having identity crisis. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what he wanted them to experience in the example that he wanted us to follow. So we see like those things weren't the deciding factor, but you know what the deciding factor was? Any guesses? Like, Aaron, I don't know where you're going. I don't know if I want to play this game. Love. Love was the deciding factor, right? He loved them. And you see in his life, that, that love's posture is this. Love's posture is a kneeling posture. It's not a looking down on someone else. It's a posture of humility, right? That's, that's love's posture in life. And it's hard. It's not a natural po- posture for any of us, especially Americans. I'm not sure about Germans, but I can speak because I've born and raised here. Like, yeah, we are prideful people. No, we pull ourselves up from the boot, our bootstraps and we can do this. We are independent. We don't need anyone else's help. And that's not the way of Jesus, right? And it's interesting when you read about Jesus' life and you read about the other writers in the New Testament who wrote these letters, you see that serving is so much more about the people who serve than the people we are serving, right? It's about me. It's about what happens in my heart when I choose to enter in and to meet needs. And the way God created us is this, is that serving actually does some damage to our incredibly self-centered nature, and especially when we serve in secret, when we serve when no one's around to say, wow, did you see what she did? She got all dirty picking up someone else's blah, 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 or dug through the trash to find the wallet. Or No, no, it's the, it's the serving in secret that can really do a lot of damage to our self-centered nature. When no one's around to express gratitude or notice, you know, I don't know about you, but I have loudly unloaded the dishwasher before. Just to make sure that other people are aware. 
taking care of this today, guys. Or what have you ever done this? I've totally done this. Shameless. Don't judge me. Just left the cleaning supplies out. Like just a reminder. It's your turn. <laughs> like, not that I'm keeping track, but for the last seven weeks, I have scrubbed the toilet. It's your turn. So in case you forgot, here's the brush. Here's the <laughs> cleaner. It's like, or like leaving it out. Like, I'll put it away after it's dry so they know what I did. Right? So the, I just need someone to notice and to call attention to how wonderful I am because I chose to make the time to meet that need for you, right? But I know none of you do that. That's just, that's just me. Um, so you see, like, to choose to step in and to meet needs, to choose to serve like Jesus. And the thing is, if we wait until our heart is changed and we're like, okay, I think now I'm in a good place to serve, we will never serve, right? Because part of the way our hearts change is by serving, is by stepping in and meet needs when we don't feel like it, when we have a lot of other things to do, when we just don't want to, or when we think these people, I know what you've, you've said about me. I know the things that you've done. You don't deserve my help. When we decide that, we stay in our self-consumed lives. Because you, the reality is, is that when we live for ourselves, we just become more and more self-consumed. And I don't know about you, but those people are not fun people to be around. People whose lives just con are consumed with themselves and then expect other people to be consumed with their lives as well. No, but that's who we become if we stay consumed with ourselves. So I would say, you know, like you guys weren't even around during 9-11, but like there used to be like um, this saying, if you see something, say something. Do you remember that? Do you, if you've heard that, I'm sure. Um, but I am going to counter that with, if you see something, do something. So if you see, you know, paper towels in the bathroom on the floor that didn't like fell out or the trash is full, do something. If you see something in a way that you can meet needs, just do it. You don't need to ask, oh, hey, Aaron, would it be okay if I took the trash out? No, no, just do it. Just take the trash out. You may ask, where's the trash bags? Happy to help you. But like, we don't need to, to wait to be like, to be asked to help in that way. So when you see something, do something, not because you have to, and not because it's going to win you points with God, because it's not, that's not how a relationship with God works, but because it's such a huge step in harnessing the sin in my life that says that life is about me. And I know you guys, at least at USC, and I would say this the same for Chico, like, I think when you're applying for colleges, this is so different than when I applied for school. Like you have to put a lot of service projects. You're trying to try, kind of like sell yourself. Like I care about the community. I care about beached whales. I care that the, the straws don't get in the turtles' mouths. Like it's like I care. I'm involved in beach cleanup. Like I do all of this stuff. And I would say people who aren't even followers of Jesus, they feel better after you like get up early on a Saturday morning and clean up the beach. Like that stuff is great, right? But as followers of Christ, our motivation is, is different. It's not for a resume builder. It's not to get into college. It's not so that people, even to feel better about ourselves. But the reason we all feel better after we serve and meet needs is because we're all created in the image of God, right? The ultimate servant. And so there's a reason why it is so life-giving to get outside of ourselves and focus on the needs of other people. So you may be asking at this point, Aaron. How can I begin growing in the area of service? And I'm so glad you asked. So I would say it's a really, like, these are really bottom shelf ideas. So um, one thing is just to begin asking, how can I help? Let's repeat after me. How can I help? One more time. How can I help? It's not a hard thing. It's an easy thing. I, I have some younger nieces and nephews. And so when I give them a birthday present, they're, <laughs> the mom and dad's like, what do you say? thank you. Like it's a very heartfelt thank you, right? No, it's just like they're saying it so then they can play with the toy. And so I think like for children, like we learn these things, say please, say thank you. We need to be reminded of what to say. Um, don't interrupt conversations, like all these different things. But as we grow older, hopefully we don't need to be reminded. Like at Christmas, your mom's like, Clarissa, what do you say? Um, you just naturally, oh, thanks. This is great. You know, this is the sunglasses that I asked for or whatever. So hopefully as we mature as followers of Jesus, this how can I help idea just becomes more and more natural to us as we're growing in Christ-likeness. And so just walking in someplace, how can I help? Whether it's like a birthday party or your life group. What do you guys call them at Chico? Life, group. life groups. Perfect. Life groups or freshman group or challenge. like, Or even, you know, when you go home at Christmas break asking your parents, 
how can I help? They may like fall over like, what? Excuse me, could you repeat that? What did you just say? How can I help mom? Like, oh, wow. Um, but just how that changes an atmosphere. And also it's so much more fun for the people who are hosting to have others come alongside and just carry the load and lend some assistance. So when you look at the life of Jesus, you know, no one asked him to wash those feet. No one asked him to serve, right? The one who was in the highest position washed the feet of those in the lowest position because he chose to. So I would say, ask, how can I help? Second thing, build margin into your schedules. I don't know about it, Chico, but USC students, their schedules like, deep, 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 like back to back to back to back to back to back, back. So build some margin. You are not a victim of your schedule. You control your schedule. So put some buffer time in there, guys. Or for even like a conversation as you're walking across campus and someone's crying or you can just step in and meet a need. So build some margin. The third thing is, I would say, is just to slow down, to observe, to notice, to look around. So you want to slow down. You want to observe. You want to notice. There are things going around, going on around us every day that we just are. I am the queen of oblivion. Like oh, I didn't even notice. I didn't even see that because I was focused on lunch or getting the snacks ready. Like so pigeonholed and so. Just looking up instead of, I know sometimes, I heard about this new thing, you guys probably know about this, text neck, where it's like people's necks are being impacted because we're just like this. Sometimes, look up, look around. There's a world out there. Um, so I would just encourage you to grow in that area. And the last thing is take initiative. Take initiative. Not waiting for someone else to do it. I have done this many times. Well, I just think someone else is going to see this, and so I'm not going to need to do that right now. But to be the, the person who's like, okay, I'll take care of it. And, and to do it in such a way that maybe if you were asked to do it, that that person doesn't have to come back and check and make sure it was done. Like, I'm going to get that done. I'm going to get done with excellence. Did you guys go to Enoch's roundtable? It's really good on excellence. So, <clears throat> but doing these things is going to require many things, but the two things we're going to talk about is humility, right? It's going to require humility. A question to ask is this. Am I too caught up in needing to be noticed? Am I too caught up in needing to be noticed? Because that's what appeals to our sinful nature, right? Is the accolades, the applause. And John 12, 43 says, For they loved human praise more than praise from God. So it's going to require some humility to serve and to enter into many needs. And another thing it's going to require is just trusting God with the time that you're giving away. Trusting God with the time you're giving away. I don't know about you, but this is something I really struggle with. Is like, if I do this, then the, just the ripple effect in the rest of my day or the rest of my week, this is going to have implications. But we're not factoring in God when we think like that, right? Like God is existing outside of time and space. He can clear schedules. He can work in professors' hearts where they like give you an extension without even asking for it. God is able. And so trusting him enough to really know that he's going to meet the needs in my life and that when I trust him, I can be obedient to the life that he's called me to, the life of, of being like Jesus. So prioritizing what's most important. But it requires some trust. That requires some exercising of that trust muscle too. And it'll get stronger the more you exercise it. So just to wrap up, don't hear me say that by serving you're earning favor with God. It, you're not. He couldn't love you more than he already does. You are a beloved son and daughter of the King of Kings. And so God is not measuring your relationship with him by your performance, not in any way. But that serving really is a choice that you and I make to put ourselves in a position to meet the needs in someone else's life. And in so doing, we put ourselves in a position to just free ourselves from my selfish, self-consumed, self-centered life and heart. And again, there are a few things that will expose that selfishness and work to reach those just hard areas of sin in my heart, like serving. So I challenge you, if you see something, do something. There might be times to say something. If it's a dangerous situation, maybe don't do something, say something. Um, but you won't be able to do something every single time. There are going to be things that God does not have your name on. That some, God wants someone else to meet that need. And I would encourage you to stay just really connected to the Holy Spirit and ask him, okay, God, is this, is this something that has my name on it? Like, do you want me to step in and meet this need. Just because there's a need doesn't mean that I need to meet every single need because that leads to unhealthy living, right? I, Jesus is the Savior. I am not the Savior. And so 
when I sense the Holy Spirit saying, okay, Aaron, you know, this one's for, for you, then knowing that I'm just putting myself in a position to do a bit more damage to that selfish streak that just runs so deep in my heart and I am becoming more and more like Jesus. So for me, there are things that I, I don't like to do, like babysitting. And I go to a church with a lot of children and I get asked a lot to babysit or to help out. And so I don't, I do not say yes every single time. Um, but I've just decided that we have like um, certain meetings or certain things that come up and I know that I'm going to be asked like to the rotation of like every other meeting, I will do my best to do that. Not because I get paid because now we get paid. We didn't used to get paid, which is, which is a nice treat, but not because of the extra money, but because I know that it's good for my heart and especially good for me. Like there's some things that I enjoy doing and serving in, and that doesn't impact the selfishness in my heart, like the things and opportunities to serve when I don't want to do them at all. Or I'm like, can't someone else just, what about the youth? Are they old enough to help the kids yet? <laughs> like, see, I was babysitting at 13, you know, come on. The world hasn't changed that much. You know, like making excuses or like volunteering other people. Have you ever done that? You're like, you've heard of voluntold. Aaron will like volunteer you. You, I think this has your name on it. No, but like thinking of ways to meet needs. Like I live with two Christian girls right now and it's really been a sweet gift because we'll wash each other's dishes. I know some of you have major dish drama in your apartment. I'm not talking about that kind of dish drama. This is like, a, we do our dishes after we cook, but like, if there's just a couple cups there, because one time I lived with a girl and she would like make this massive meal and cook all of her dishes and I would have like a cup by the sink and you just leave it. <laughs> so, and that's fine, right? I mean, that, that was my cup, right? I'm, I should not expect other people to do my dishes. But right now I, I live in an apartment with girls who really serve and love each other. And that changes this, the dynamic of living, right? And some of you may not live in that kind of environment, but you can be a light and, and salt and light, like the shirts you're wearing and what we're talking about this week. I just meeting needs, going the extra mile and helping out. And I know in challenge, there's all sorts of opportunities to serve, you know, any, any church setting, any ministry, if you are willing, they've likely got a spot for you. So that's what I have prepared. Do you guys have any burning questions that I may or may not be able to answer yet? Oh, hold on. Let's go through her then you. Oh, me? Yes, me you. Know. Sorry. Um, I feel like my biggest struggle in this area is like my own thoughts and attitudes toward things when I'm doing them mm -hmm. um, because I feel like I'll either fall into the I'm doing it but I have a really bad attitude side or I'm doing it and I feel so proud of myself and I'm like sometimes I feel like is that really wrong mm -hmm. to like feel like 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 wow like I'm really glad that I'm like, I don't know. It's like, I don't like either of them very right. much. And I don't know how else to do it. And so I feel like sometimes that will actually deter me from doing anything because I don't know how I should properly think about what I'm doing. I, I wish I had a, a, a beautiful, articulate answer for you. I th say I struggle with exactly the same thing. And so the Proverbs 16, too, says, All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. And so there's even things in my heart when I think I'm doing things out of good motives that God knows deep down inside Aaron, you don't even know the depth, the depravity and evilness in your own heart. So like, I'm going to serve and God, would you help me to do this with the right motivation and to, to do this out love for you? Will you change my heart on this deep level that is so needed right now? And so I want to put myself in a position by serving for you to change my heart, but I can't change it. I'm, I'm a mess. Does that help at all? That's a really good question. I think we'd all say we're such a mixed bag of motives. Mm -hmm. I think it's Proverbs 16 too. You know, I haven't slept much this week. You can fact check me, but. Um, <laughs> Capitus. Oh, okay. Someone else? Someone else? That's a great question because I think for some of us personality wise, we're just drawn to that. Like there's a need, I, I want to meet it. Um, also like sin patterns, like that's also um, one of the things that we can struggle with. And so I would say maybe not giving an answer right away. Like, okay, thank you for the opportunity. I just need to pray about it and double check. 
some things. And so then I would spend some time in prayer and just ask God, okay, God, because he alone knows the future. He knows what's going to be going on that Tuesday. Um, that you have no idea what's coming down the pike. And so like inviting God into these decisions, but that yes, not everyone has, has your name on it. Not every need. Yes, Rob. Do you have like a priority list or anything like that? Like who, who you serve? Oh, that's a good life? question. That's a really good question. I, I, I don't, I, maybe I should, but I feel like, you know, it's, it's, natural for me to serve my roommates. I'm with them. Well, especially during COVID, we were with each other a lot, a lot. Um, it's like I never intended to see as much of you. <laughs> when we signed up for roommates, I didn't know we would like be together. I thought we would just sleep in the, under the same roof. I didn't know like our every waking moment would be together. Um, I love you. I do. Um, so obviously like Whoever you're living with, it's great opportunities to serve. One of my main responsibilities on campus is freshmen. And so typically if they have a need that's high on my priority list, is like I want to love them in that way and to meet those needs. And so the people that I'm responsible for or interacting with, more, the, the freshman connection leaders that I'm discipling and building into, they are very high on that list of people as well. Um, also, I don't want to neglect my family. You know, I'm I'm not married. I'm single. I have a brother out here. He's about an hour away without any traffic. And so um, I try to babysit for them as much as I can. I want I do want to be a part of my niece and nephew's life. I love them. I can't always do that. Just with campus ministry, we have a lot of things on the weekends. But I try to as much as possible say yes to them. Not just because I, I want to be a part of life, but I love them and they're my family. Yes. How do you stay focused on tasks? Because sometimes I feel I'm more people oriented. Yeah. So right now outside we were like changing the traffic and then someone started talking to me. Immediately I was elsewhere. Conversation. <laughs> That's so hard. Sometimes it's helpful if you like invite them in. Okay, yes. Oh my gosh, yes, let's do this together. We help me change this trash bag. Invite them in. Um to that. That's a really a really, really good question. Because I think I can be a little more, I used to be, I think more people oriented and I think as the older I've gotten, maybe I've transitioned more to tasks. It also depends on who's, whom I'm around. If I'm around a lot of task people, then I feel the freedom. I think naturally I'm, a, I'm very much a people person, but when I'm around a lot of people think, and there's a lot of to get done, I'm like, you cannot be that way, Aaron. You have to be. Um, but that people matter. Like you see that in the life of Jesus, that he made time for people. And so what is it urgent or is it important? And so what's, what's urgent and what's important? Have you guys read that little booklet, Tyranny of the Urgent? Hubble, Humble, what's his name? Humble? Anyway, if you Google, it's a free PDF. Hummel? Hummel? We don't know. But if you just Google, I think it's Charles Hummel. I think you're right, Robin. Google, it's a free PDF, but it's really helpful. It's called Tyranny of the Urgent of, okay, what is important and what is urgent? I feel like I'll have the opposite problem because I'm not, I'm a yeah. person. And so sometimes I'll be changing bags and someone's talking to me and I'm like, I am doing this job. And then I'm like, this person's more important. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes it's just like trying to go against our personalities a little bit. And I think that's so, so helpful to see is like that it's no accident that you are wired like that and she is wired like that, right? That those are gifts from God and that is a beautiful thing in the body of Christ. And so we need each other to balance each other out and we can really learn from each other. So. So, yes. Hold on, Kese, and then Clarissa. You know, there are going to be times in life where you're going to be in need and you're going to need people to, to serve you. I had a... In 2008, I had a small like cardiac device implanted, and my brother and his family got the stomach flu. So I had friends who took day off work because you know you never have surgery on the weekends. It's like surgery on a weekday, and they took off work and took me to and from the hospital because it took two of them because you know one person weighs in the waiting room, one person gets the car. It was not deep in surgery. I got released. I didn't spend the night, and then we got home, and and then our electricity was out, and it was July in Southern California, and so. It was so hot and we couldn't turn on the fan and I was like 
so like it, I was just in a lot of pain. And, and I asked the doctor, I was like, oh, is there a pharmacy? He's like, oh, just take Tylenol and Advil. You just cut open my chest and just take Tylenol? <laughs> I knew I want some hard stuff now. Um, but it was fine. But Neil and Melinda were actually out of town. So we just texted them. But of course, they didn't get back to us. So just, we just went over to their house and turned on the air conditioning and slept. Like it's like, but to receive, I couldn't drive. And I, I couldn't push a grocery cart. I couldn't vacuum like any of that movement because of where the device was implanted. It was really hard, but at the same time, I, I couldn't do it without them. Right, and so it's not wrong to let people know that you have you have a need, and and people really want to help you, and not to tell yourself. I think it's hard not to say I'm a burden. You know, I'm inconveniencing people. It's, it's hard. It is hard to receive. But we're all going to be at that place at some point in life. And it's a gift for other people. That's a little clarifying mm -hmm. thing since it's the same topic. Um, what about when it's like reversed and people don't want you to serve them? And you like want to? Or you're trying to? Yeah. I think accepting that. Like, like, there's this great book that I read. It's not a Christian book. It's by Sheryl Sandberg. And I think it's called like plan B life or something about a plan B. Anyway, her husband actually died of the same disease that my dad died of the same age at 47. And so she talks about showing up in people's life, like not asking, let me know if there's anything I can do. Let me know how I can help. Because when people are grief stricken or people are, the diagnosis has just happened, they don't know what they need. Like they have no clue. So she says, she gives these great examples of Texting someone, hey, I'm in the lobby of the hospital. I'll be here for the next hour. I'm just reading a book. If you want to come down, I'll give you a hug. Like just showing up for people. She says, she tells the story of like someone saying, I'm bringing you a hamburger. What do you want on it? Like not asking them, what can I do? But just saying, and they're like, if then someone can say, oh, I, I am not feeling a hamburger right now. And like, I can bring you some soup. Like how could, you know, I want to bring you food. What sounds good. So you can insert yourself in that. But it could be where you sit in the hospital lobby for an hour and they don't come down and that's fine. But to make yourself available to meet needs and you can't force your help upon them. But to, I think sometimes the, how can I help? It's a great way to start, but there are going to be events in your life where you have no idea what's needed. Like stuff that Dan and Pat were talking about, or last night I was with um, some of the Chico girls and one of the girls lost her home in the paradise fire, right? It's like, how can I help? I don't even know what you can do to help. Like, okay, here's a bag of clothes. Here's a Target gift card. Here's, you want to borrow my car for the next three days? I can get a ride somewhere else. Like just you taking the initiative to think, okay, if I was in that situation, what would be helpful for me? And offering that instead of being like, let me know if you need anything. Because that's a hard thing to be like, I need to go to Jamba Juice. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I that just seems like a weird thing to ask somebody, but that is what I need. Like what, after I had surgery, I was like, I'm so hot. I just want to go to Jamba Juice. I couldn't drive, right? And DoorDash is so expensive for like a $5 Jamba Juice, but no. So then my roommate took me to Jamba Juice, right? And so just offering in such a way where you're giving them ideas of what you could do to help. Does that help? But I highly recommend that book. Cheryl Sandberg, she was like the CFO of, of Facebook or something, or She's really high, but she's not a believer. It is not from a Christian perspective, but yet it's full of biblical principles, right? Because of just how, I don't know. It's like following like a plan B. Do you find it? Option B. Thank you, Luna. But yeah, she lost her husband very, they were on vacation, like in Mexico or something. And he was in the gym and he just fell over dead. And then they had small children, like just like, and so she just talked about what people did, how they come alongside her and what she learned from that. It was really helpful for me of like, instead of being like, let me know if you need something like it's pizza tonight for dinner, or I want to make you home something homemade. Are there any food restrictions? I'm bringing it, I'll bring it over at 530. That kind of stuff. Yeah, Sarah. So if there is somebody in my life that is like seemingly serving out of like selfish ambition or like first party, like I know it's ultimately God that is going to work in them and like change but as like their friend, should I just continue to like receive that service and just like let that person do that, or should I like say something like, "Oh, 
That's, I do <laughs> not know, Sarah. I see that in that person's life, but it's like. You know what? I think it's hard for people, and I really struggle with this. I think it's hard to receive love from people. Feel like I need to do something to earn that love. And so, like, I was realizing that the other day is like. I, I want to be needed because I fear that if I'm not needed, there's not space for me. So then I, I do things with the wrong motivation out of fear that I'm, I'm easily replaceable. Like we don't really, we don't really need you, Aaron. We'll just hire someone else to do what you can do. And so I think there's probably, what'd you say? Oh, thanks, Kay. <laughs> Thank you. But I think there's probably some, some deeper things definitely at play and just asking God to reveal that or even having a conversation, maybe telling a story like, I was at this conference and this girl shared the story. I just resonated with me. Have you ever thought of anything like that? Like you can, you can prime the pump a little bit, but you know, I think God in his kindness reveals those things to us. And Aaron, no one is ever going to be able to love you like I love you. And you don't need to create needs or not create needs, but like meet every need just so that you people are, like not indebted to you, but remember you and don't forget about you, right? We live in such a twisted, our hearts are so twisted and yeah, full of sin. That's a great question. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. Clarissa, I've totally neglected you. Oh, it's okay, it's okay. Um, how do you prevent like going through the motions and serving? I think because I'm a task person, like it's, I don't have a servant posture. I have like, hey, I have to do this. Like I have to get it done. Once I'm done, I'm done. I think inviting God into it and like seeing yourself like, I'm really doing this for the glory of God to do it with excellence and to bless. And so instead of like the grinding through it, like, okay, what kind of thinking about Jesus and his model and his example for us and inviting him into those, just the mundane of life, like it's gotta be done, right? That's a good question. Other side of the room I'm neglecting. Everyone's good over here. Okay. Um, I have a question because I, just going to ask about uh, what do you do when you see a person you're like, mm, I want to help you, but at the same time, I think you should learn how to do that yourself. Mm -hmm. So there is a balance in that, <laughs> you know. Um, I can be a little bit like Clarissa. It's just easier to do it myself. You know, like I, I can take care of that. I don't even want to take the time to teach you how to do that. But it's a disservice, right, to people. And so, you know, I've taught people how to clean a toilet, how to even open a toilet bowl cleaner, like had no idea the squeeze, the pinch and twist, you know, it's like people have to learn from, from somewhere. And so having communities like this, it's a safe place to learn and to grow. I think, especially at USC, like a lot of students don't really know how to cook. We, there's a Trader Joe's on campus, you just grab frozen food and go. So you can even have like, you guys do so much stuff with connection, like pasta parties. I feel like maybe that's different in German culture because we're so fast food on the go. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it's like. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. What do I do here? So, being patient with people, but I think we do a disservice if we don't. If we do everything for people. And honestly, like I remember my mom, I kinda I had a mom similar to Robin's, like she she was a great cook and took care of her house. And so when I moved to LA, like working full time is exhausting. And I love cereal. And so I would have cereal for breakfast and for dinner. And then Melinda, Neil's wife found out about it. She's like, Aaron, you cannot have cereal two meals a day. <laughs> but it was just like, it was so much transition. There was so much, I'm making excuses now. There was just so much going on. But it, it's, it's also like rewiring your brain and your schedule to make time to go to the grocery store and to prep the food and do all. It was just so new to me because all four years at OU, I lived in the dorms. I had a meal plan for four years. I never had a kitchen. Oh, adulting is hard. And so it, it just being patient and learning with people along the way. example that's kind of a strange example on one point the way that he was able to serve on the table was home. 
<laughs> I think you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, it's, it really makes her happy. Yeah, but I think one of the ways you serve is like not just like sleeping till 1 yeah. p.m., but like if your mom wants to serve you in that way, then getting up and spending time with her because that's what she wants. She wants to know what's going on in your world. She wants to know what's stressing you out, what, you know, the new girl you like, all these, all the different things. She wants to spend time with you. And so I think she is serving in that way, but you can honor her service by your presence. Because it's, it's funny, there's a funny story. My brother, when he came home from maybe grad school one time, he like did all the laundry in the laundry. Cause, and in my house, we just had all the laundry together. You just like put all your laundry in it and my, mom, and my mom would do it. And then my brother did the laundry. And then my mom was like, thank you so much. Please don't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I don't know if it's like a woman thing. I, I don't know. But like, I have like very few things that I actually put in the dryer, like I hang dry this and I do this and hang this up. And so my brother like just like threw it all in and um, because, and that's a, a great way to serve and love, but that, that was, you know, helpful once, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't think she said it like that, but it was, she was very diplomatic about it because she was so grateful that, wow, he's like thinking of blessing other people, but he did it how he does it in grad school, like just dump it all in and throw it all in. And we're a little more picky as women about what we put in the dryer, but yeah. Any other questions? You don't have to have questions. Okay, well, let me pray and we will wrap up. Father, thank you for these students. Thank you for their hearts for you and just their desire to grow in your likeness and to exercise the serving muscle. And I pray that they would remember the things of you and forget the things of me and that we would be people for the rest of our life would serve and step in and take initiative and notice. And when we see something, we would do something all for your glory and your praise that people would see you in us by how we love them. And thank you for your example. Uh, we thank you for Seabreeze and the example they set this week. God, may we as you scatter us around the world, we, we may we find churches like this who want to use their facilities and use their resources to bless other people. We're so grateful for you and for this place. In your name we pray. Amen.